Check it out, uh. Come back and I'm better. I've been patient, encouraging changes. I'm speaking new language. Just the thoughts of a joke. Only people who've been round will know. I'm talking about owning some, giving my homie some, teaching their youth how to survive. You owe me nothing. I'm just a young black man with a dream and a plan. These are my thoughts as I share them with the land. Thoughts of an average show. Just the thoughts of an average show. Uh-huh. Yeah. Thoughts of an average show. Just the thoughts of an average show. Welcome to another episode of Thoughts of an Average Joe Podcast. My name is Troy Jackson, your favorite Average Joe. And um, today's going to be a little bit different. Um, I don't even know how I can put this, but we're going to dive into a little bit of politics today. I don't really do that on this podcast, so this is going to be uh, very interesting. I have a guest, uh, Randy Ross. How are you doing today? Good. How are you doing? I'm good. I want to thank you for definitely uh, getting me on, uh, for, for coming on here. Um, so let's dive right into it. Okay. So you're a Trump supporter, right? Yeah, I was the 2016 Orange County for Trump chairman. Okay. I am on the Trump fundraising committee, and I continue to be a supporter of the president. Okay, so are you a, are you a politician or? I, no, you know, it's interesting. I am running for Orange County Republican State Committee man right now. Okay. Uh, but uh, that really is not what got me interested. You know, I, I actually auditioned for The Apprentice back in the day. Okay, okay. But I didn't get on it. but when he came down the escalator i was right there on board and i've been on board ever since and you know the funny part about it is that when i tried to become the chairman i applied and nobody ever returned my emails nobody returned my phone calls and i was like you know what's the you know reason for that so one day i just showed up at the orange county republican executive committee office and uh the lady just said can you sit down for a second and i did and she handed me this vanilla folder filled with resumes. Okay. She said, they don't want you to organize in Orange County. And I was like, well, why? So I reached out to the state committee, uh, state chairman for the party. Um, and eventually, of course, I became it. The rest is history. But the, the fact of the matter is, as an openly gay conservative, um, it was an awkward uh, adjustment for people to get used to. The, there was this guy that really wanted to do this. And the very first meeting we had, we have over 100 people show up. Uh, the, at the end of the campaign, over 1,200 volunteers Listen, Orange County is a Democrat town, uh-huh. so it's a it's not a county you can win. You can win in a presidential preference primary, which we did in March, uh-huh. but you can't win in a general election. All you can do is try to move that that needle forward, uh, and that's what we were able to to accomplish. Okay, um, why? Okay, so why do you support Trump? Well, there's a number of reasons. I support the platform. Listen, there's no secret. There are times when this candidate and now uh, president. Uh, says things that I, you know, I used to wake up during the campaign every day and I would be like, okay, what do I got to deal with today? Uh-huh. You know, because the media loves attaching themselves to whatever is going on. Um, but more importantly, I cared about, uh, I cared about the issues that were affecting our country. I cared about the border and, uh-huh. and you know, folks coming into this country that were coming in illegally. I cared about the fact that um, our our country was really suffering when it came to the economy and all these things. I mean, let's be honest. Let's get to it. I mean, we had the up prior to the pran- pandemic, best black unemployment that we've ever had, best Hispanic unemployment that we've ever had. Our economy was doing wonderfully. If I have to trust someone going in to twenty twenty one, which is eventually what this election is about, I'm going to trust Trump over a guy that sometimes can't remember what day it is. 
Okay. <laughs> um. All right. So you said that. Okay. So let's. I don't want to touch on any toes here, but let's, let's get into it. Okay. So you feel like the people that come here illegally shouldn't be here illegally. I believe that there should be better control at the border. Listen, I I don't. I I think. Uh, the, one of the things I've learned is that if you come here legally, you do not like it when people come here illegally, you know, that whole concept. But at the same time is that, you know, we, we spend a lot of time in this country focusing on people who are, are here that aren't Americans. That's a real big problem. Think about the homeless population. Think about people that are in economically depressed areas. That's where our focus should be. You know, we cannot take on the entire world's problems we have to focus on americans and and that's one of the biggest issues that i have i do agree with that that i feel like us as america we do touch on more so we don't really focus on the problems in america we focus on things outside of america when we do need to focus on things inside of america but my point to you about the once again i don't want to touch on any toes here you're not hurting my feelings my point to where um the whole illegal immigration is here's how i feel about it right Mm-hmm. So, nobody, including the Caucasian race, in my personal opinion, mm-hmm. like y'all stole the land to get here. That's how. That's how I look at it. Mm-hmm. So, y'all, I don't think that they should be able to be like, oh well, illegal immigrants shouldn't be here because this isn't y'all home to begin with. If that makes sense, mm-hmm. so you can't sit there and be like, oh well, I want them gone. When in all actuality, it's I don't. I don't think that's the point. I don't think that we're trying to say be gone. I think we're just trying to stay say be here legally. Um, and there are steps for that. Listen, I think the immigration system is a mess. I think that it should not cost somebody 10. And I, I know friends that have spent $10,000 plus dollars to, to, to become a legal citizen. It should be easy and breezy. It should not be something where folks have to feel like that they are going through, you know, getting a master's degree to become uh-huh. an American citizen. Uh-huh. It shouldn't be like that. That's an issue, and that should be dealt with. But that should have been dealt with. Long before Trump. Trump just brought it to everybody's awareness that we had this a problem. Listen, if you go back and you look at even back in the Bill Clinton days, this was a co- topic of conversation. It was out there. It's gone through the Bush administration. It's gone through the Obama administration. And now it's part of the Trump administration. The one thing is, is he keeps bringing it up. And a lot of us that are out there as his base, we're like, okay, let's finally deal with the issue. And I think that's kind of where we are with that whole topic. Okay. Um... So here's also my thing on that. Uh-huh. I feel like, okay, so Trump wants to build a border or whatever. Uh-huh. But once again, that's He's goes, building it. He's building it. Yeah. That goes back to my point. We have more issues in the country than to worry about the border, if that makes sense. We're spending all this money on the border. But like we said earlier, we got homeless people who are homeless. We have veterans who are homeless. That's, that's another thing. I don't feel like as, like, just, I just, to me, this ain't got nothing to do with Trump. But I just feel like, as a whole, this country doesn't really care so much about its veterans. Like once you go to the, once you get out, you get out and that's it. And you're on your own. Cause I've seen a, a whole lot of uh, veterans that I know that are homeless. And I, I feel like that should never happen. I agree with you on that. I, I think, why can't we do it all? Why can't we do the border wall? Why can't we focus on veterans? Why can't we focus on these, de- these various areas at the same time? I, you know, I live downtown Orlando, Okay. and the other day I was walking my dog, who's, by the way, his name is Trumpy, might as well tell you. <laughs> <laughs> but I was walking downtown, and I was outside, you know, where Lake Eola is, and I was, uh, I couldn't believe how many homeless people I saw there. Uh-huh. 
And, you know, when I was growing up, and, you know, I'll be 55 this year, so I'm in a different space of looking uh-huh. at this than you are. But uh-huh. when I was growing up, you know, there were hospitals where people who were going through issues lived. They were psychiatric hospitals. Today, we don't have those. And people are living on the streets, and they're trying to figure their lives out. And I was really kind of like looking around thinking, how is this possible in Orlando, Florida, that this many people in the middle of the day are sitting out here and they have no idea where their next meal is coming from because uh-huh. they're sitting there across the street from the Greek Orthodox Church, which uh-huh. w- which we know feeds, feeds the homeless. And I, listen, to me, that's one of the biggest challenges that Orlando has, and it's one of my biggest uh, uh, arguments that I have with Buddy Dyer and even Orange County Mayor Jerry Dimmings is like, how do we fix the homeless issue? It's 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 way outside the president's realm. Every county, city, municipality uh-huh. throughout this country has a responsibility to figure out how they're going to deal with that. And it's not going to happen just because you feed them. It, it's not that easy. I've done different efforts where, you know, uh, whether, it, you know, socks, blankets, whatever it takes to, to give them the folks, the folks that they need. But guess what? They still got to find a place to sleep. They still got to find a place to call home. And that is probably one of the, the biggest burdens sometimes on my heart when I walk around and see these folks because I'm like, that could be any of us. Mm-hmm. We are all one paycheck away at times from being in that position. I mean, going back to that, I feel you. I feel like even with this whole pandemic, we're going to touch it. I feel like a lot of corporations live paycheck to paycheck because I I feel like if you didn't live paycheck to paycheck, then you should still be able to pay your employees without having all these employees get furloughed. Like you make billions of dollars. But what are you doing with that money? Well, we know that Universal, let's, be, let's keep it real, uh-huh. Universal, Disney, some of these uh, Yeah, I'm not talking about them. I'm talking about well, like they're still companies. paying 80%. So Correct. we know that a lot of those folks are, not, uh-huh. you know. Uh-huh. But there's also the flip side. You know, right now as we're going through this conversation about $600 a week versus, you know, and everybody's trying to make it sound like Republicans and the president doesn't want people to, to get the certain amount of money when they're going back. I think one of the biggest things I've learned through this whole pandemic when it comes to the stimulus process is that the Democrats are spending a lot of time porking. It's called porking. It's when you add all these other things, you know, to the stimulus bill. So let's say it's a trillion dollars. But if you're spending $25 million and you're giving it to the arts board instead of helping Americans, why can't it just be about the, the $600 a week and the $1,200 stimulus? Why can't it just be that simple? Politicians, both sides, I'm not even blaming one side or the other, what they do is they try to benefit themselves every chance there's an opportunity. I would, I would, I would agree with that. And it's like right now, I know people that are consistently concerned about, they haven't paid the rent in months. They're consistently concerned that once somebody can evict them, because we now, we, we now have to, I think it's September 1st. It's going to be a lot of evictions at once. There's going to be a good. ton of folks. Where are they going to live? What are they going to do? Um, that's something I think the president, county mayor, city mayor, everybody needs to be concerned about because – where are all those folks going to go? You know, there's only so many places for them to, to and they're not going to be sitting outside the Seven Eleven in downtown Orlando that I'm referencing when I'm walking with uh-huh. my dog. They're not, they're going to be living in their cars, you know, and that, that, that to me is the long-term burden that we're going through with this, this pandemic is because I just don't know how, how people are going to be able to find their way out of it. Here's my thing with the whole $600 a week. So I was blessed to still have, both jobs during the pandemic. I wish I could have worked from home, but that's not the case. Mm -hmm. My thing is, I feel like we shouldn't punish the Americans and stop it. I just feel like, because I do feel like there are some that are taking advantage of it Mm -hmm. to where like they tell you to go to work. 
then they say no because you're making more money on the unemployment than you are right. working. So I feel like the easy solution is is the companies need to report to I don't know who I need to report to, mm-hmm. but basically let's say you're my boss, I'm an employee. Y'all keep the six hundred dollars a week, but it's something attached to it. So therefore if if your boss asks you to go to work and you say no, then you no longer receive that assistance. I do feel like that's fair. Right. And I feel like that's what now that's what should happen because there's still a lot of people that aren't working. So when this six hundred dollar ends, if it if it didn't already end, what's next? You know that's a wonderful uh, question. I think that here here's the challenge that we're faced with is that we live in a service industry environment. Mm-hmm. I did my internship at Walt Disney World in 1987. I wasn't even born yet. <laughs> that makes me sad. But, you know, I did it back in 1987. Mm-hmm. When I came here, it wasn't, you know, it was very different. In 1987, this was a red town. Orlando was still a Republican kind of run space. Over time, things started shifting and things started changing, especially when you have this many service industry workers they're looking at things very differently than when they get a mortgage, a child in college, all these different things. They're looking at it from a very um, a soul perspective. Uh-huh. I mean, I look at my nieces, and I, I can see how they, they look at things. You, obviously. I mean, I don't know when you were born, but you are obviously— 89. 89. That mm-hmm. makes me sick because I graduated from college in 88. But, <laughs> <laughs> but, but I think what we also see is the town has evolved. Uh-huh. To a different place. That doesn't mean that people should not be able to afford to live here. You know, and I, I listen, I'm not going to be the guy that's going to say we should uh, mandate the $15 an hour, uh, you, know, unempl- uh, you know, minimum wage and all those different things. I get, though, why people feel that way. Because we see corporations making millions and millions and billions of dollars. Um, but th- we live in a capitalistic asi- society. Mm-hmm. Everybody. Every, you as well, me, we have an opportunity to go out there and make ourselves money, mm-hmm. you know. Um, I think it's just a, it's a, an, an inter- interesting space, interesting conversation. I just don't know exactly what the solution is or okay. answer for that matter. Okay. So what, what about Trump's platform do you support exactly? Okay. So what I told you, one of the issues that was a big deal for me was mm-hmm. illegal immigration. Mm-hmm. I st- certainly believe that our country should be bringing business back to this country versus sending it overseas. I mean, I, think, I look at this whole China situation. I think with, that could change with the China situation. Yeah, I, I think that the China, I call, I still call it the China virus, even though it's politically incorrect. I still do. Um, you know, a lot of people get uh, upset that the president was downplaying it. Listen, we still are learning so much about this virus. We don't even know if it's a strain of the flu. Everybody tells me to put on a mask. I have to put on a mask and, and all those different things. Um, I look at things a little bit more with a different perspective these days. I, 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 I feel like that the long story short of it is that Trump, for me, for me looking into 2020 election, you got to remember why I ran for this position and or, you know, became part of the, the campaign in 2015 mm-hmm. as originally and why I'm doing this still now. I never thought in a million years I'd still be fighting the way I'm fighting. Okay. I thought this would be over. You know, when I went to the 2017 inauguration and I, I was sitting there, yay, see ya. I thought I was going home and that was it for mm-hmm. a long time. And in, during a re-election, whether it was Obama's 
Bushes, Trumps, normally you do not gear up for a re-election until six months to a year. Mm-hmm. That's when a, that's when your volunteer base, everything starts starting. I had no idea that we were immediately going to have to start this fight again. I think what Trump did was he ignited this conversation um, where we've learned a lot. I mean, think about it. We would have never learned what was going on with Hillary Clinton and all the things that were going on in, in the government. Um yeah, and there's cert- certainly times that he could say things differently, but the bottom line is we need him one more we need him four more years. And the idea that we think Biden is the solution in my opinion is elder ab- of elder abuse. How can we prop somebody up there? And I take care of my mom, 76 years old, going to be 77 in August. I know, actually it is August. She'll be her birthday is August 5th. Um we know, I know what it's like to deal with a senior who has dementia mm-hmm. and they start losing their faculties. Um, and I know that people might think that Trump's not all there, but the bottom line is, look at the two candidates. Who do you want to see help you with the recovery? Do you want it to be a businessman, or do you want to have somebody that's basically being propped up to run? I have a friend. I've worked for him for 13 years. Uh, we talk five days a week. And he said to me, he would rather vote for Casey Anthony than Trump. And I, I thought, I, I, I kind of thought about that for a long time. It, is it is it the ha- the hate of Trump so much that you can't hold your no- you know hold your nose and vote for him knowing that we got to get to the other side of this or are politics such a divisive tool in this life that we're living right now that we're that's the space that we're going into I'm going to choose Trump obviously you know and I I choose it based on the fact that I don't know what 2024 looks like I can tell you this much, you'll never see somebody doing the kind of things that I've done in the last five years to help embrace, support a, a person to be reelected. I never, I've been involved in politics pretty much all my life, um, but I've never been involved in presidential pro- politics. This will be my last hurrah, you know, because I can't imagine ever having to go through this again. It's mm-hmm. not, it's certainly not easy as an openly gay conservative, but more importantly, it's not easy as a Trump supporter. Um, the media has done an amazing job of making him look like he is trying to divide us from the black community, the Asian community, the Hispanic community. So and I don't think that's fair. With the whole – so before I get on that, let me touch on this. So uh-huh. do you feel like if there – so let's say there was a stronger Democratic president outside of Biden. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like he would still deserve to get reelected? It's irrelevant. Your point's irrelevant. Okay. Because we're, we're dealing with Biden. Gotcha. We're, we're on the Democrat side. What they'll be supporting is the vice presidential candidate, because in the end, I think it's pretty clear, and he's made it. He's said it openly. He doesn't intend that he'll be able to or withstand the 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 the, the term. Mm-hmm. Um, I would I would you know when we know it's going to be a black female, I would rather see a black female have run as the nominee. Because I think she probably would have a much better chance than this candidate. Here's here's my thinking on that, and it could just be me. Mm-hmm. I feel like when Hillary lost, mm-hmm. because I really I don't think a lot of people expected Hillary to lose. Mm-hmm. But when Hillary lost, I think that kind of I don't want to say set them back, but just kind of was like okay, like so clearly that didn't work. So let's go in a different direction. Because I really believe the Democratic Party, I voted for Hillary. A lot of people voted for Hillary. Not, when Trump won, I ain't going to lie, I was shocked. I was completely shocked. I wasn't. 
I remember being um, at the corner of Gore and Orange, uh-huh. and uh, Channel 2 had showed up to interview me, of course, because, you know, they want to get me caught off guard, whatever. And they said, what do you think is going to happen tonight, Randy? And I said, we're going to win. And he looked at me like I had a third. I've told Greg Fox this many times from Channel 2. He looked at me like I had a third eyeball. Um, what I watch when I see the Botilla events, when I see the truck events, when I see all these biking events, all these things, uh-huh. The Democrats have not been able – listen, Obama was able to create that type of energy. Mm -hmm. Trump has created an energy that is very similar. As a matter of fact, I would argue that we borrowed a lot of that enthusiasm from that period of time. I don't believe Biden has done that. I believe what he's doing is is attempting – to, to look like he's inspirational. And listen, he's got a few commercials that I think are pretty good. I'll be the, I've said that to people on the campaign. Um, but we, don't, we shouldn't be nominating put, or putting somebody in place just because they have good commercials. Um, I think what we're learning in this process, and I think the wonderful thing about social media is we all get to talk about it. Every day we get to go over and over and over again and, and kind of explore you know, what we thought about what we saw today. The one thing that nobody can deny, just like when Trump came out um, and talked a couple of days ago about something, and he controlled the whole, I think it was said about the election being delayed. Uh-huh. I don't think for a moment he thought he could delay the election. But guess what everybody talked about for 24 to 48 hours? Uh-huh. And I think that is the mastery of what he's best at. I, I would agree with that. I, I think would agree he, with I, that. I think, again, I remember we had gross national product numbers uh-huh. that were down. The unemployment rate was going up. So guess what? I'm going to send you guys all off base, and I'm going to talk about this. Um, and the fact is that media picked up on it. They decided to talk about that, and, you know, so I think we get a lot going on. I think the pandemic in Florida is going to change and shift because of the hurricane that's on the horizon. We're shutting down all testing facilities. So if you're not testing, you're not getting results. So we're going to see some shift that's going to be going on in the next few days. Again, I think we still have time. I'm not going to sit here and pretend to you that I think we're in the best shape that we could be as a campaign. What I am going to tell you is I still think we have time. Today, between now and November 3rd, is a lifetime in politics. Uh-huh. Um, and a lot can happen. And, you know, I think when we find out next week, which Biden has determined he's going to tell us next week who the vice presidential candidate is, I don't think it's going to be um, Val Demings. I think it's going to be Kamala Harris, but I could be wrong. Don't don't bet me. <laughs> <laughs> you laugh. Um, but if I was going to make a choice, I'd, that's who I would probably choose. Um, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Any thoughts of an average show podcast listeners? Do you have any follow-up questions on today's episode? Do you want to talk to me or other listeners about this episode? Well, come to Tap Tapes, the easiest way to discover and talk to podcasters. You can use your voice to record replies over my episodes. You can find nuggets of gold within podcasts and turn them into highlights to share with your friends. And you can discover new podcasts quickly with a feed that is made of short-form podcast highlights. It's everything you would expect from a podcast player and then some. That's Tap Tapes. Tap Tapes. In one word, download the download the app on the App Store or Google Play and follow my username, Thoughts of an Average Show Podcast, or your favorite average show, or follow your favorite podcast and let's talk there. I want to hear your voice. Once again, that's tap, tapes, tap, tapes, all one word. See you there. Do you want to start a podcast but don't know where to begin? Reach out to The Average Joe Media, a podcast traveling company. 
They bring their top of the line equipment to you, record your episode and edit it and email it back to you in just a couple of days. Monthly consultations also come with being a client as well along with affordable prices. All you have to do is talk and they would do the rest. Express yourself, speak your mind and relax. Let us do the work for you. Go to www.theaveragejoemedia.com to book your session today. So for today's Creative Corner segment, it's a song called Why from Saint. He was the uh, second artist on the Creative Corner segment. Um, I felt like today was definitely um, fitting. Uh, this song was definitely fitting for today's episode. So once again, the, app, the Apple Music link is going to be in the description below. It's Saint featuring Skylar called Why. Check it out, man, and let me know what you think. Yeah. Yeah, 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 I was born in this world that had nothing, but I learned how to flip it to something, R.I.P. to my brother, he royal, he resting, but the hurt in this world really leave me with questions. I was born in this world and had nothing But I learned how to flip it to something R.I.P. to my brother, he royal, he resting But the hurt in this world really leave me with questions I was born in this world and had nothing But I learned how to flip it to something R.I.P. to my brother, he royal, he resting But the hurt in this world really leave me with questions Why the world going crazy? Seems like we ain't been ourselves lately Why? Why babies having babies? Mentally, they still trying to enslave us. Why? Why we gotta wait till later? America know they owe us reparations. Why? 30 years, fair time to come home and you still put them on papers. Why? Why we lacking education? Why we bear false witness against our neighbor? Why? Where I'm from, so many unsolved cases, yet I still should pledge allegiance to this nation. Why? Why settle for being complacent? My only look at life is being basic. Why? Me and you, him and her, boy or girl, self-hate, handed down for generations. I was born in this world that had nothing. But I learned how to flip it to something. R.I.P. to my brother, he royal, he resting. But the hurt in this world really leave me with questions. I was born in this world and had nothing. But I learned how to flip it to something. R.I.P. to my brother, he royal, he resting. But the hurt in this world really leave me with questions. I was born in this world and had nothing. But I learned how to flip it to something. R.I.P. to my brother, he royal, he resting. But the hurt in this world really leave me with questions. Yeah. Why the conviction rate so high? Why they press still getting rid of you and I? Tell me why we die. Tell me why we fight to stay alive. Tell me why our mamas gotta cry. Why? Tell me why we fight for equal rights to get denied and then they push us to the side. Why? Why you can't look me in my eyes? Why thug the only way that we described? Why? We gotta get this world in order. Why risk making your life span shorter? Just to flip a quarter. Take a father from his daughter and turn around and put a son out on the corner. 
I was born in this world and had nothing But I learned how to flip it to something R.I.P. to my brother, he royal, he resting But the hurt in this world really leave me with questions I was born in this world and had nothing But I learned how to flip it to something R.I.P. to my brother, he royal, he resting But the hurt in this world really leave me with questions I was born in this world and had nothing But I learned how to flip it to something R.I.P. to my brother, he royal, he resting But the hurt in this world really leave me with questions What? All right, y'all. Um, that was Saint with Y. Uh, yeah, man. So, um, that's it. That's gonna be in the Creator Corner segment. Just uh, yeah. Let me know what you think once again, and um, let's get back into the episode. So, um, here's my thing. I don't think. When it comes to, like, the president as a whole, I don't necessarily think Trump doesn't really, is a racist. I do feel like, though, he's very good at dividing specific groups. Like, for example, the kneeling of the flag was never supposed to be like, oh, they're disrespecting the flag. That wasn't the case. But he made it that way. And I feel like that's why a lot of African Americans don't really bump with Trump like that. You know, I got to tell you, I, um, a friend of mine, she's a former Miss America, uh, former Miss Florida, said to me one day, she's African-American, she said, and we were having a conversation, and she she was like, you know, Randy, I appreciate that you try to understand, but you'll never know what it's like to be black. And it, at first, and she goes, just like I'll never know what it's like to be gay. Mm-hmm. When she first said that to me, I was a little offended. I was like, how can I not try to understand? How, how am I supposed to have this conversation if you don't want me to, to try to understand? The truth of the matter is, I believe uh, in general, there's racism in everyone. I don't care if you're black, white, Hispanic, Asian. There is some level of racism in you. It doesn't mean that you want to see hurt come from that. It is, it is just simply part of, you know, I remember, I mean, I got I grew up in Indiana, and my grandparents are sharecroppers um, from Arkansas, and I remember them sometimes using the N-word. I, I, I remember that, but that's not how I, you know, led, chose to live my life. That's uh-huh. life. That's not how my parents chose to raise me. Um, and as a result of that, I don't feel it's fair and reasonable to sometimes hold people accountable to some past debt that is not really theirs. That's why this whole, you know, what you know, let's go ahead and go into this conversation about the whole Black Lives Matter issue because I believe all lives matter. I've made it very clear. And when I say that to my friend, Commissioner Regina Hill, who is someone I helped get elected to office, she gets very offended with that comment. I'm not meaning to offend her or any black person when I say that. I just sometimes wonder if we are so busy bringing back the past that we're not focused on how we're going to move forward. So here's my thing with that. I do like, so with the all lives matter, I don't have a problem with that. My main issue is all lives can't matter until black lives matter. And this is what I mean by that. What what we mean by with black lives matter is, and there's a lot of Caucasians that will say, oh, well, what about black on black crime? But Uh when it's black on black crime, nine times out of 10, I will say nine times out of 10, at least eight times out of 10, we're getting convicted sure. and we're, they're, they're getting justice. 
But when we have the police or other Caucasians killing African-American men and women and nothing gets resolved and it's just a constant cycle. So you, you, you say it's the past, but it's the present because it keeps continuing to happen ever since. What, Trayvon- Don't you, wouldn't you agree that sometimes, for example, the gentleman, the black gentleman out in Windermere that killed the, the white folks with a baseball bat because he was stealing a truck overnight, that occurred. It's getting very little play on the media, but when this really bad cop made a mistake with Mr. Floyd, it went on and on. And as soon as it, 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 I think for the white community, and I'm not speaking for all white people or any people for that matter, but I'm just saying that we kind of sat there and we were like, at what point do we remember this guy and this guy knew each other? They, were, they had a past. They uh-huh. had a relationship. They, I, was, I don't know if it was friendship. I don't know what it was, but they worked together. You know, and then what, what idiot sits there when there's cameras on them and continues to try to kill some guy? I mean, what's going on with that guy mentally? I look at that with that simplistic approach. In the end, what it became was a national movement, so possibly I, I, an international movement. It became a – here's my thing. It became a national movement because it was just a few months before then. We heard about Ahmaud Arbery, but right. he was already – he had already passed before then. We had just not right. heard about it. And then George Floyd, and then Breonna Taylor, who still hasn't had any justice. So I think when you see – But is that fair to just outline – the ones that got media attention. Oh no, there's a lot of ones that do not have media attention. But it, you, you, it's. I agree with you on that. It's like they kind of pick and choose on which one gets media attention and which ones don't. But isn't that part of the issue? The media decides who we should somehow pay attention to. I would yes. I I want to say I mean, that is, is part is, of the issue. Is George Floyd's life any more important than, than this person's life? You know, and I I think that was listen I. I'm saddened for his family, but that's a very easy thing for me as a white guy to say, right? I'm more concerned that we decide how we're going to publicize the issue. I feel, and at 55, you know, I'll be 55 October 4th, and this is where you say, Randy, you don't look 55. That's what Botox <laughs> will do. But at, at 55, I don't recall in my life such animosity between races as I'm now experiencing. So you don't feel like the civil rights era was worse than this? Well, I wasn't. Okay. Okay. All right. You got to remember I'm 55. I was a child when you're talking about the sixties and you're talking about some of those amazing efforts that, you know, we've now experienced in recent days with the passing of, you know, the, the congressman, et cetera. But I I think that I, I just don't, didn't realize it. And, and if I talk to some friends that are black, they will say, Randy, you just didn't know what was happening. Uh-huh. How did I? How was I so blind? I've been involved in this community now for twenty-seven years. I feel like this. Maybe see, I could try to put it this way for you. Uh-huh. When it's not necessarily affecting like your race, you don't necessarily see it. Uh-huh. So, like, we all knew racism existed, uh-huh. but over the past what, five years or so, it's gotten really worse to where, like, now you cannot really turn. Is it really worse? My opinion, yes. You think it's worse now, let's say, than 10 years ago? I believe so. And what part is worse? What I, what I mean by racism, I just mean so most. So now I feel like, like, <laughs> Caucasians are just getting bold. Like, we can just be out 
walking or like, there's no like, so I saw a video on social media the other day to where there was a guy mm-hmm. who was delivering food and there was this Caucasian lady who lived there and wouldn't let him go up the stairs to deliver the food because he did not live there. But she didn't have a Do key either. Do you think that's like a blanket situation that's occurring in our community? But that's happening a lot. Like we're getting, we're. Why? Because we're talking about it more? Is it really happening more? I think it's okay. Let's put it like this. I think it's happened the same. It's just now getting on. It's, it's, it's now being video. Uh, it's now being on video. So we're seeing it more than if we wouldn't see it. 10 years ago, if that makes sense. You know, it's, it's funny because when I was helping Regina when she was running for office, you know, she had 21 prior convictions. One of the things that I was learning um, as a white guy going into a black community trying to help her um, was that they really didn't really want my help. You know, they kind of didn't understand why I was going over there helping her to get, to get elected. The best news is that she did because I believe everybody needs a 20-second chance, and we talked about that, you know, when we were working on her campaign. The flip side of that is that I I, I sometimes think that there's this reverse discrimination taking place. You know, there's this, uh, uh, you know, if you're white, you're somehow the bad guy all of a sudden. I don't think that's fair either. I don't think that's fair either. I do feel like not every white person is bad. And I agree with that 100%. There are some great white people in the world. I just feel like there are some liberties that y'all have that I feel like, for example, white privilege is one of them. Like, Tell me where my white privilege is. Okay, for example, I can, you can run down. I've seen this happen in my development to where ever since I'm out, I used to run around in my development all the time. Ever since Ahmaud Aubrey, I don't do that no more. Why? Because that happened to him. That can happen to me. Not necessarily with a Caucasian. They don't have to particularly worry about that. Like, I don't have to worry about somebody. Y'all don't have to worry about somebody. Well, let's say you don't have to worry about less. Somebody coming asking you, oh, do you live here? If they show you ID, whatever is good. I don't have to be worrying about running for my life and getting gunned down because somebody doesn't say that I live here. Or they call the police because somebody doesn't say I live there. That hasn't happened to me. But I've had the police roll up on me once at my house because I was just sitting in my car and they asked, do I live here? And I said, yes. They was like, can I see some ID? I said, no. They said, why? Because I live here. I'm always here. There's been other police that see me here. So now why do you want to question me? Because I'm sitting inside my car at my house. Now let's, let's fast forward a year and a half later. Happened to a white guy in my development. Police robot didn't say anything. Yeah. It, it wouldn't be fair to me to try to understand what it's like to live in your skin. Like I told you, um, when Erica Dunlap said that to me that day, it was kind of a huge eye-opener because I guess I thought, here I am, we're all living along, having fun, you know, with each other, talking, communicating, working with each other. I I never thought of it like that somehow – there was a, a, a breakdown still. Mm-hmm. I guess I kept hoping that we were evolving year after year, decade after decade, far from what we experienced. And, you know, I was born in 1965, the very year that Selma, I believe, occurred. You know, the whole situation with the bridge and everything. Mm-hmm. And um, it was tragic. When I, when I, wa- I went and saw that movie, and I cried. Because, you know, how did that happen in my 
the America that I live in, uh-huh. but it's not the America that we live in, in my opinion, now. And I, 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 I think we've come so much further. I feel like if we keep bringing up the past, I just don't see how reminding us of the past is going to help us in the future. Like and, that, said, and so in fairness, when we take down statues, when we change history, when we re- erase history, when we whitewash history, it's the same thing. I don't agree with that either. You know, I believe at some point we have to recognize that it all happened. We all got here somehow. We all survived. We're here. Um, it's just that right now, and, and this is, a, I think, a fair statement, I think a lot of white people are feeling extremely ostracized. And I don't know if that's the intention, but I'm not sure that's fair either. I don't think when I talk, when I hear about the Black Lives Matter movement, because um, I know it's filtering into Democrats, and I think there's a lot of concern I have with the whole the whole thing. But more importantly, I've always felt Black Lives Matter. I, I mean, I, I I don't understand where all of a sudden I'm supposed to somehow have this guilt that I didn't think that your life mattered. So the thing is, right, so we're not necessarily necessarily saying you, but when it comes to the reason why the Black Lives Matter started, once again, is because the police brutalities and basically nobody getting nobody getting convicted from it. And so when... But we understand where that comes from. It's not just a black-white issue. Police officers have a little bit more leeway correct. than Co- it, when it comes down to it. And listen, I, I am all about trying to reform and fix some of the challenge, challenges. We're watching the Orange County Sheriff's race right now and Probably the number one issue is police reform, uh-huh. uh, trying to deal with those issues. And it's one of – I haven't made a decision on who I'm voting for, for for sheriff. And the reason I haven't is I keep listening and watching what they're saying because the grand, in the grand scheme of things in my life, unless someone's trying to break in my house, I'm probably not going to need a sheriff or a police officer at my house. There are parts of our community where they are going to be present and need to be present all the time. We know this. It's uh-huh. just, it's the way that, that it is. Um, and that, that probably takes me out of the fairness of the conversation because I look at this and I'm like, I, I, I don't understand. I don't understand why people would, you know, openly commit a crime. I, I don't like when I see people being, the police officers being attacked. You know, I think that's wrong. When I watch some of the stuff that's happening in Portland and San Francisco and Seattle, Washington, our president is absolutely doing the right thing by sending in federal agents to keep that place safe. Because imagine if that was your mom that was living in that community. Imagine if it's your family. And, you know, we have these protesters showing up at 2 o'clock in the morning and destroying federal property. Now, let me, let me touch on that. So okay. here's my thing on that. There are two type of Black Lives Matter people when it comes to the movement it's the people that actually want change mm-hmm. and then it's the people that just want to destroy stuff mm-hmm. but we get intermixed in the protest and i think that's where the problem is i want change i don't want to destroy stuff but i understood like when it happened in um in Minneapolis, i understood what i understood why they did what they did it was frustration I'm not saying that it's right because it's not, but I understood why they did it. But then it just became a whole national thing to where everybody is destroying stuff yeah, and looting I mean, and I, all of that. I don't I, agree I, with the looting. 
I, I hear you, and I I think that what's hard is that most of us are not operating. You and I could not go right now and break out windows and not get arrested for doing that. It's not okay just because it's a protest to get away with that. I agree with that. And I, I think that that is what's probably frustrating most Americans right now when they're watching this. They're like, how are they getting away with this? You know, it's not... It's not even race issues. It's but just then, it's most of the people. A lot of people showing up for Black Lives Matter protests are white. They're not. There's not just black people doing it. So it's not a race issue. I want to say mostly white, but there are a bunch of white people. Showing there are a lot up. of white white people that are showing up. And and the bottom line is, it's not a race issue. It's a you don't get to destroy public property just because of the the opinions and movement that you feel are important. Because, like I said, you and I would go to jail for those very But also, at the same time, though, you don't get to kill African-Americans and get away with it. But that's what's happening. Okay, we cannot use that one isolated situation. But it's not one isolated— Well, how many are there? I mean, we 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 also know there's a lot of black-on-black crime. Exactly. We also know there's black officers that kill white Yes, correct. Okay, so—and we also know, let's be candid and keep it clear— that we also know that most of the folks that are incarcerated are black because most of the people incarcerated are coming from economically depressed environments, which we know that's where it all comes from. Let's keep it straight. We know where it's all stemming from. It's all about who is in the leadership role that's dictating how those police officers are running, you know, out there doing their mm-hmm. work. Um, and we saw what happened in Minneapolis. Let me tell you, one of the scariest, I've been to over 100 Trump events um, one of the scariest ones was a rally that I covered um, for the media up in Minneapolis uh, less than a year ago. I walked out of there, and it was raining, and I remember the whole experience. They had dimmed the lights because you and I can go through a downtown street. We know it's very bright. Mm-hmm. And br- they had dimmed the lights. It was one of the scariest situations I've been to in all the Trump events I've ever been to because of this tension, this allowed opportunity to almost make – the people that are law-abiding citizens, normal people walking down the street, feel like they're doing something wrong. That is not fair and reasonable to the, to, even to the cause. The when when the Black Lives Meter when 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 Regina Hill when they did the whole thing down there in Rosalind, and immediately the next day it was defaced, and I I, I remember talking to her on the phone, and I said, "Do you think this is going to happen forever?" And the reality is. It's, to me, a divisive tool. It is not a unity tool. Because otherwise, you've got to let the LGBT community do the same thing. You've got to let the Hispanic community do it. There is nothing sacred about one race over the other. Because when we start doing that, when we start allowing that, in this day and time, not 200 years ago, now, we're setting ourselves up to always be in this position where this is going to occur. So it's, it's tough. It's a very tough situation. I, I, I certainly am reminded often that I'm white, you know, and I get it. And somehow people think that I'm privileged. I wish I knew where that was because I want to li- win the lottery. You know, that's, <laughs> that's privilege to me. But the reality of the situation is I do drive a Trump truck. I, I do work, I, you know, work on the campaign. I do raise money for this president. My dog, his name is Trumpy, you know. And so that's my life. But that doesn't mean I don't. I've, you know, one of the wonderful moments that I have from the 2016 campaign was an African-American woman, 80 years old, never voted in her life, that came into our Winter Park office. She voted and talked about how she was going to vote for President Trump that year. Her daughter introduced the vice president and president at different times. 
Uh, she's now running for Republican State Committee woman, and she's black. I, I look at things very differently than a lot of other folks do. What I'm trying to do is encourage opportunity and engagement. And that doesn't mean I always agree, agree with Republicans. There's a reason why they don't sometimes like me, you know, because I, I look at things very differently. I want to remind them, you know what, when you have an Orange County Republican Executive Committee meeting and I walk in and there's no black people there, that's a problem because that is not reflective of this community. When I walk into one of those meetings and there's no Hispanics or no Asians, that is a problem uh-huh. because that's not the ba- makeup of Orange County. All I can do is keep bringing that attention to them. That doesn't mean they're going to change. And, you know, um, I'll say this, and it's very inappropriate, but I've, I've said it recently that Oprah Winfrey, who was, you know, I auditioned for her show too. I, you know, remember she had the talk show thing. I didn't get that either. But, uh, you know, I, I, she said something once, and I was so offended as a huge fan of hers. She said that, um, you know, the only way we get rid of racism is when old white people die. And I was really offended by that because I thought, how does that, because I'm getting older, I'm 55, mm-hmm. does that mean that I've got to die for, to get rid of it? But in time, what I've learned about processes and Democratic Party, Republican Party, independents, there are going to have to be some folks that go away before we can really change. Uh-huh. You know, I think on both that, sides. On both sides. You know, certainly I, I don't like the far left or the far right. I live in the middle. I think most Americans live in the middle. It, you know, we want, you know, I tell people all the time, once you get past the first 200 people in politics in any municipality, county, et cetera, Nobody cares. You know, they do show up maybe to vote, but they got to get their kids to soccer practice. They got to get, you know, food on the table. They got to pay their mortgage, kids in college. Most people don't pay attention to politics like you and I and other people do, um, unless you're watching the mainstream media. And every night when you turn it on, it's gloom and doom. It's mm-hmm. always, it's always bad Trump, good this, good Biden, all these things. And I'm like, I don't, you know, I'm, I've gotten to a place where I can, I can work my th- way through that. But the average person is probably thinking this country is going to hell in a handbasket. And it's really not. Um, and that's unfortunate. We can, we can do so much better. I would like to say that I thought we were doing pretty well until this pandemic so occurred. Let's, let's touch on that because I don't think he's done a great job during the pandemic. Just necessarily when I see other countries and see how they had how they have the coronavirus handled a little better than we have. Like, we're spiking. Now, do I personally agree that the numbers are skewed? I do agree to a certain extent they're skewed. I don't think all of those cases were coronavirus cases. Mm -hmm. But I feel like he could have handled it better. What would you have liked to have seen him do differently? So, listen, I don't know the facts, but I do feel like that he – knew about this a little earlier than maybe what he previously acknowledged and then didn't necessarily wait on it until it was too late. And I do feel like, I feel like us as a country, we opened up a little bit too soon. Mm -hmm. And then now we're seeing that second wave of it as opposed to just waiting a little bit longer and seeing where it goes. But then also at the same time, a lot of people, Monkey see, monkey do. Uh-huh. And I feel like if he would have just put on a mask earlier, I felt like that could have avoided some of uh, some of the deaths that we that we're having now. 
One of the things that I've noticed, even from the time he came down the escalator in 2015, is that I've never, you know, seen someone so monitored. Every word, every movement, everything he does. He was in Tampa yesterday for a fundraiser, and of course everybody was losing their mind that he was going to a fundraiser. Listen, at some point this country has to get back to business. Mm-hmm. Um, we cannot, we cannot live at home forever. We have to st- take some chances and some risk, and we've got to move on. You know, what if somewhere down? You know, I still believe that virus ends November fourth. You think so? I do. I Wh- believe why? that What's- we've gotten to this place that, you know, because it's very interesting. Everybody's wearing a mask. Everywhere you go, you got to go to the grocery store. You got to put a mask on. Everywhere you go, it's a mask, mask, mask. And yet, the cases are spiking, and they're not. See, here's here's the reason why I think the cases are spiking because because we're doing more more testing. Exactly correct. I agree with you on that. So I think that what's going to happen over the next four days because of the hurricane, we're going to see testing obviously stopping because the governor has uh, stated a declared this state of emergency. Mm And so the testing facilities had to shut down because they don't trust the tents during the, mm-hmm. the wind. And so all of a sudden we're going to see everything's going to shift. But all of a sudden, when it's time to go back, we're going to see the testing spike. Listen, if we had the same type of testing going on for the flu, we've had the, we'd have even bigger results. The question is, I, I, I've always felt, and listen, I take care of my 77-year-old mom, so I, I feel this way. If you are sick or you have symptoms... That's when you go to the doctor. Who goes to the doctor when they don't, they don't have symptoms? Last time I went to the doctor, I felt like I had the flu. I went to the doctor. Most people don't go to get a test if they don't feel like there's something wrong with them. And I get why the flip side is, well, if you might have it, you might give it to somebody else. Well, that's why the masking and the social distancing and all these things are going on, right? I don't believe that we should keep testing at the level we're testing under the pretense that somehow we're helping because the reality is it's the opposite of what's happening. More people are dying than have ever died in Florida, and we're attributing everything. Even if they're in a motorcycle accident, exactly. all of a sudden to, to, they are COVID. Thank you. I agree with that 100%. So they might have, who knows, they might have had the COVID for a long time. We don't know. I just think at some point we've got to get back to normal, and that includes getting kids back in school. That includes getting people See, back to work. Here's my thing on that. I don't necessarily agree with, like, coming up, I don't agree with the kids going back to school yet. Just because of, if we don't have this under control, kids are, like, kids are disgusting. Like, and so, like, here's my main fear. I have a son. Hypothetically, so I don't got no kids. Let's say I have a son. You have a son. Right. I gave him the Black Panther mask. You gave him the Peppa Pig mask. And they want to trade masks because, it, because right. it's cool. Now we have more of a bigger problem. Sometimes you have to run force kids to wash their hands. So I feel like not this year, but the following year, they need to go to school. I feel like if we we can you have think a they should take the entire year off of school. No, not not off from school, just off of going to school in the facility. But well listen, I, I trust parents and their decisions. I trust parents. I don't trust kids. There are parents have been given multiple options for this return. They can virtual school, they can they can homeschool. They can send them to brick and mortar. They've been given that option. That's the, that's the answer. Mm-hmm. It's up to if the parents, you know, I don't have children, uh, so I can't tell parents what to do, but I can tell you I trust parents to make the right choices mm-hmm. for their, their family. Here's the problem. If you are a single parent and 
in reality, having your child in school is partially how you exactly. I agree go with to that. work. I, it, it, is, it is rough. I agree with there, that 100%. There's no way to go back to work. And it, let's be honest, the stimulus package, we're going to get one more shot on this. So, yeah, let's say people get $1,200. Let's say they get $500. I don't know what they're going to get. But eventually, it's going to run out. You know, because we are testing socialism right now. That's exactly what this is. Everybody gets to, you know, a lot of people are making more money than they were when they were actually working. Um, but in fairness, it's going to run out at some point. And what do we do then? You know, I think that parents right now are probably in the most difficult position of anybody because they've got to decide, do I send my child to school, take a chance that my child could get this and die? Because we know that younger people are dying from this, mm-hmm. right? Um, what do I do? I, I don't have the answer or the solution. What I can tell you is that at some point, though, we have to, you know, Steve Harvey, one of the best parts about his show, he talks about jumping. You got to jump. At some point, we've got to jump as a country. Uh, people have to jump individually. And and it, it might not always work out the way that we want it to, to work out. But it's got to go someplace. We have to do something. We can't continue to operate in this funnel that we're doomed and we're going to stay in our houses for another year. You know what I mean? Is that the solution? I don't think so. I don't think that's a solution, but I do feel like in regards to like, let's say working from home, mm-hmm. I feel like there's going to be a shift. And I feel like the coronavirus caused that shift. Because well, you know, the best part is I think people have learned a whole new different way of communicating. I do feel like that way. And yeah. also I feel like there was a lot of jobs before the coronavirus as, oh, we don't have the capability to work from home. But right. now that you do, why would I go back to the office when I can just sure. work from home? Well, I mean, I, I know multiple people, whether they're in the finance industry or certain parts where they've figured out this is a better way for me to work. Exactly. They're home with their families, mm-hmm. you know, uh, and things like that. And there's, listen, we can always try to hopefully find the benefits of something so tragic as mm-hmm. what's happened in our country with this this pandemic. You know, I think that a lot of people, I think the president, um, I think a lot of people were concerned that he kind of overlooked it and tried to push it aside. Listen, I get why he did it, because I like optimism in my life. I like to be around happy people. But in the end, guess what? We learned a lot. We learned that it wasn't perfect. It wasn't the way we expected it to to, to come out and you know we've learned we've learned that maybe we should have taken it seriously who knows who prepares for something so horrific as what's happened to this country well I'll, I'm, I'm gonna say this and then I'm gonna, and then we're gonna close it out okay I feel like when it comes to the pandemic we would have been better prepared if he didn't get rid of the people that were put in place to deal with a pandemic yeah I know what you're talking about you know I don't agree with you okay I don't think that Anybody in their right mind would ever thought something this Of course, horrible. nobody would have thought a pandemic. But happened, I also, but... I hold China accountable. That's what We know it came out of China. We know that they delayed responding and letting people know about it. And the first thing the president did when he finally got to the bottom of it was delay tra- you know, travel from China. Then eventually, we know also most of our cases were coming from Europe. It was all over the place. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's kind of like why I think Florida's gotten this huge infusion of problems. People from New York and all these places. I agree with you on that. They all came down here. I agree and with you And we didn't, we, what, we're going to do, stop them all on I-75 or the turnpike and say, oh, you can't come in? It's crazy. It's really a crazy time. I agree with you. So um, we're going to wrap this up. Okay. I, I appreciate you coming on. Uh, do you want to plug in your social media? 
you know, I am Randy Ross Orlando on um, Facebook, Randy Ross Orlando at gmail.com. My phone number, I don't mind giving it out, 407-401-4409. I am running for Orange County Republican State Committee man uh, against a former mayor, former state committee man, all these different things, these, all these titles. But I also believe the Republican Party re- needs to be reinvented. And I think if you've heard nothing from me today, I'm sen- sending you a different type of message when it comes to what I think the Republican Party should be versus where we have been. Um, Democrats and Republicans over time have evolved. All parties have. If you if, if you looked at the John Kennedy Democrat and you look at the Repu- the Democrat Party today, they're very different. Uh-huh. And I think that Donald Trump has changed the Republican Party, um, and I'm proud to be part of that. Listen, I hope we are successful on November third. If we're not, I'm not moving to you know Canada. I'm not going to move to the. Well, I might move to the Bahamas if I can get a job, you know, selling suntan lotion on the beach or something. But um, you know, I don't look at that the world like that. I'm not pushing everybody away because of that. I just think we can do better in trying to figure out a way to work more cooperatively. Okay, I agree with you on that. Um, you already know y'all can find me, man. Average ATPC. That's the Instagram. Um, the original playmaker. That's my actual Instagram. Uh, the my website. TheAverageShowMedia.com. Y'all can find me on there. Um, until next time, man. Philippians 4.13. Peace. It's a different kind of city when you live in right. All different opinions, can you choose a side? Come together for the better. Change can only start from the thoughts of an average Joe. From the thoughts of